Hello, and welcome to another Colin episode. I didn't have a ton of expectations when I started this podcast of what it would be like, but I did not expect so many Collins and so much feedback from fellow podcasters and fellow listeners. So I really appreciate that and want to say thank you once again. It's also been a tradition so far. I mean, this is the third Colin episode. So I guess it's technically a tradition now. I usually talk about a game or games when I also play calls. This week's game is Mice and Mystics, which is a cooperative adventure game, very much in the vein of something like D&D or Mouse Ritter. You don't really have much role-playing, but there's still a story, and there's a nice thick storybook that lays out the... it progresses as you play scenarios. So you have your missions, and in between those missions you have little story vignettes that uh, tie everything together. You have minis, you have little tiles for exploration, you, you know, the tiles are divided up into little squares so you can move around. And the monsters will move around. They have their own basic AI for what they will do, and you can exploit that to your advantage. Combat's interesting and can be pretty difficult. There is a set of custom D6s that have swords on them for hits, for melee hits, shields for blocking, an arrow, a bow and arrow for ranged attacks, and also a cheese. Each character can have a cheese wheel, and if you roll a cheese while attacking or defending, then you receive a cheese. The enemies also can get cheeses on their results. That gets added to a community cheese wheel. Once that is filled, there is a surge and more uh, enemies come at that point. Your mice, the enemies are things like cockroaches, rats, spiders, centipedes. In the expansion, they add furies, not fairies, but furies, and bullfroglodytes, and there's fire newts. So pretty interesting. And they all have their different stats and abilities to vary up the combat. Your characters roll a certain amount of d6s if for attacking, depending on their strength and their weapons. And if it's a melee attack, the number of swords that you roll is the number of hits on an enemy, and then the enemy would roll its defense, and any shields that they get cancel out one of those hits. Any hits left over go into wounds. Most of the enemies have one wound unless they're a boss or a bigger monster like a spider or a centipede. That's mostly it for the combat. You have special abilities you can choose at the beginning. If you get a full cheese wheel, you can cash that in to get another ability. But cheese also powers your abilities most of the time. So you've got to balance that. Do I want to save up for another ability or do I want to use these? So yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's fun because I have an 8 and a 10 year old and they really enjoy it. But I think it could still be pretty enjoyable for a, a bunch of adults to get around it and play. You can certainly tweak the difficulty, and it is, like I've said before, it is pretty difficult as is. So yeah, you can certainly make things harder if it does come across this too easy. 
it hasn't yet, but I suppose my, uh, you know, my wife and two kids aren't the most tactically minded, so maybe it could be easier for a group of nerdy board gamers to get together and take the game by storm. But still fun. I recommend it. Okay, let's get into the calls. We've got calls from Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands, Joe from Hindsightless, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Lex Mandrake from Dank Dungeons, and the Pink Phantom from Phantom Thoughts. Hey, Merc the Meek, it's Spencer here, and I was just listening to the beginning of episode six, where you were explaining your dissatisfaction with random terrain generation, and I was all ready to call in with Goblin's Henchman to the rescue, and his wonderful hex flower, which lends itself perfectly to a problem like this. But then, of course, you go on to explain that that is the exact solution you have already discovered. So I guess I'm calling in to say that I won't be calling in about that. Um, on another note, though, while I'm here, I wanted to say that um, I was not aware that there was an exit advent calendar. That sounds awesome. I'd love to get the family in on that. If only I'd heard about it before the beginning of December. I guess it's something I'll have to try and remember for next year. Also, I love your idea of the border bits. You know, having little mini episodes between main episodes. That's a great idea. Following your previous feedback and just, you know, being inspired by how much I, I've enjoyed your episodes, I guess I've already been considering doing something along those lines. So uh, yeah, thanks again for kind of nudging me in that direction because I'm very much enjoying your output. And yeah, in answer to your query, those are my kids at the beginning with the old uh, blah, 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 shush, 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 shush. And I will not be losing that going forward. I'm still very much entertained by it myself. Take care. Thanks, Spencer. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't mention the advent calendar sooner. Uh, I'm guessing you might be able to find some good deals maybe during the Christmas season or after. Uh, maybe they'll have some uh, discounts on advent calendars. Yes, they have one for each year, but I mean, it doesn't have to be for the particular year, so go for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to between the borders or whatever you end up calling your micro shows, I guess, micro podcasts. And yeah, definitely keep the shush, shush, shush. I love it. Uh, I mean, maybe you just start your episode with that for your, your smaller podcasts. That would be great. So yeah, thanks for the feedback and looking forward to whatever you put out next. Hey, Michael. So I just downloaded your, um, terrain generator on itch thank you for posting that that's awesome man and i actually just went through it the one hiccup i had at first is i got a little confused um that when you're rolling when you're going up the table you're actually going towards smaller numbers whereas when you go down the table you're going to the bigger numbers and that kind of just 
didn't stick in my brain at first. So then I got it right away. And then it was no trouble doing it. So I, I went through it. I rolled up uh, a nine hex little area with one hex in the middle. And then I went around uh, clockwise, starting from the north, went around clockwise. So what I came up with, I, I think I'm going to call the the village or... Yeah, the village of S.H.I.E.L.D., because I, I'm going to tell you about it real quick. So from the northwest to the north to the northeast to the east to the uh, southeast, we have just open grasslands, either prairies or steppes. Uh, mostly prairies slash savanna because I rolled that a couple times and then I rolled the same number. So I used the same terrain. Uh, so that's why, yeah, so everywhere from the northwest all the way down to the southeast, it's just open plains. And then directly south, so I started in a forest hex, I should say. Um, directly south of the starting hex is forested hills, and then we have, moving clockwise still, we have grassy hills, and then grassy hills again. So I'm sort of picturing it sort of in a mountain pass, right? The the hills are kind of, if you kept going to the west, to the southwest, you'd get to big mountains. Uh, and that's where like the mountain pass is. And so everything to the north and northeast and southeast of the village of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's like open grassland, which is where... On the other side of that, that's where the more civilized areas are. They use these grasslands for grazing and for wheat production and things like that. This is kind of the breadbasket. And S.H.I.E.L.D. is smack down right here in the mountain pass to make sure nothing crazy comes through the passes. So that's what I had for rolling up uh, a nine hex, hex little area using your terrain generator. So thanks for that. There's also another really, really cool random hex generator that you might want to check out it's called sandbox generator by adelaide clandestine games uh i think jason's talked about it other folks have talked about it i got it and downloaded it and just think it's really really cool and this your table here reminded me of that it's yeah again sandbox generator by adelaide clandestine games i don't know if i'm saying the name right but i'm sure you can find it anyway man great stuff take it easy thanks again for posting that and peace out Thanks, Joe. It was really inspiring and exciting to hear what you created so quickly from the uh, the generator. That was really neat. When I finished working it out and I sat down with my girls to roll up um, a terrain area, after we were done with that, they were like, can we have the rules and a blank piece of hex paper? Because they wanted to roll up their own little maps. And I guess that was the about the time I knew that I was onto something. I mean, it's not completely original because of like the hex flowers and other stuff, but it was simple enough that the, that my eight and 10 year old could do it. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. I, I understand your hiccup with the numbers. I, I don't know how important they are. I, and it's also kind of odd because there's some negatives in there, but I wanted to put certain numbers within a, you know, one through eight or one through 10 or one through six range. So if you wanted to roll a die to start, like in a particular place randomly, you could, but th those numbers aren't really necessary. And I, I guess it can be a little confusing. So I understand that. 
I feel like I need to dig through my PDFs as well, because I feel like I do have the sandbox generator somewhere. I, or maybe it's an earlier version or something. I have seen it and I've looked at it, but I, I don't remember enough. So I'll have to dig that up to, to see some more. But yeah, thank you very much for the call. Hey, Merck. I'm Lex Mandrake, and I wanted to call in to talk about um, running Southeast Asian-themed games. Uh, there is this great online resource you should totally check out called AcrossRPGC.com. Uh, so Across-RPGSEA.com. And it's a database of indie games and supplements made by Southeast Asian creators. Now, it's not OSR specifically, but you can sort stuff by tags like fantasy or sword and sorcery. So you should be able to find the kinds of products with, that you're looking for with like a little digging. Uh, I would strongly suggest Mangaya, which is a free Cairn hack. And speaking of Cairn, uh, they just reviewed the Thousand Thousand Islands Reach of the Roach God adventure on Between Two Cairns. So you may want to check that out too. Uh, it looks really good. Now, uh, I'm not sure if, if any of these things are going to have the kind of tables that you may be looking for. I mean, I don't think they're comparable to a Yunsuin or like a Crawford product. Uh, but I think you're still going to find some really cool, flavorful stuff. Anyway, nice podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Lex. I did check out the Across the RPGC website. They've got quite a bit of content on there. And I did get the Mangya RPG that you suggested. You can definitely see the Karen bones in there, but there is a ton of Filipino content. So very cool. Thank you for that. And I've also followed Between Two Karens. I haven't listened to it yet, but... They're on my feed now, so I'll have to check them out. And I really appreciate your call. Hello, Merc the Meek, the Pink Phantom here. Uh, responding to your episode and to the call-in episode that you've already had that have responded to the episode about utilizing random tables. And what I've found that has been working for me in my solo campaign I've been doing where I've been utilizing the random tables in the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide, has been using them to populate part of the first level of the dungeon. And as time went on, using that as a basis, the results of those roles as a basis for saying, okay, these are the creatures that are reoccurring on a regular basis, or these are the creatures that are inhabiting this dungeon so that as time goes on, those random tables become less very generic random tables and more specific to that dungeon. Uh, and one way I've done this, and this this is something that older versions of D&D let you do, and not so much some of the newer ones, because in the monster manual in AD&D, there's a beside each monster there's a no, there's a number appearing and there's a percent in layer, and that number appearing is usually much higher than what you'll find in the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide tables that are just for a specific dungeon level, whereas you go down in levels, the challenge of the monsters, you know, how many hit dice they have or how many there are, tend to go up, whereas the monster manual is more about if you if you find run across these creatures in the wild, they're a larger number, and especially if you find them in their lair. 
And what I've been doing there is I've been rolling the percent layer when I run across the, after I use the random table in the ADD Dungeon Master Guide to say, okay, there's this type of creature in this room or chamber or in a corridor if it's a wandering monster. I then, if it's the first time I've run across that monster, I'll go to the monster manual and roll in layer, the in layer percentage, to determine if this if this dungeon is their layer. That is, there's going to be more of these creatures, absolutely 100%. There's going to be more of these creatures scattered in with in, within across this dungeon. And then beyond that, I'll roll again in percent and layer to say, well, is this room their lair? And what that does is that sets you up where, okay, you encountered 10 orcs in this room, but there's actually 130 of those orcs scattered around this in groups around this dungeon. And this particular room is not their lair, but somewhere in here is their lair. That means a higher degree of danger, of course, because there's more of these creatures and they're going to come up more often now because you're building your own table. So, I, for example, I've run across orcs and I've run across giant rats and I've run across large spiders and I've run across hob, not hobgoblins, I've run across uh, gnomes and dwarves and kobolds and berserkers. And so all of these have layers somewhere in the dungeon and there's more, many of them scattered throughout the dungeon. So I've created a custom table for the dungeon with just those creatures and kind of sorted out percentage wise where the larger numbers, you're more likely to encounter some of them. And then whenever the time comes up to roll for creatures in a room or wandering monsters in a wandering monster check, I'll roll first to see which table do I roll on? Do I roll on the AD and D table, dungeon master's guide table, or do I roll on my custom table, which right now I'm, I make, I just made it 50, 50 and make it simple. But that's something I think you can do with random tables is you start off with the clear random table and this could go with weather or it could go with terrain. Like you, you built your own terrain chart table to build and you've designed it in a way that each, the roles will kind of inform the future roles. That is, you'll get clumps of terrain that go together and you can do the same thing with things like weather or types of treasure or creatures. You build those custom tables. You start off with the completely random tables, and then you build your custom tables based on the initial results of those random tables. So I hope that makes some kind of sense, but that's what I've been doing in my campaign. And uh, since you asked, I thought I'd call in about it. Uh, enjoying the podcast so far? Really am. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Pink Phantom. If you ask it, they will come, I guess. And I really appreciate it. I think that's a really cool idea, going from the generic to the specific. And you're, you're not necessarily having to come up with, you know, the, the exact formula to do it. You're just using percent and layer and number appearing. So that's, that's really neat. Um, I, I will definitely be using that. Let the first random things that you roll inform what's in this area. Really cool. Really appreciate that. Hey, just finished episodes five and six. I'm a little behind in my listening, but I thought I had called in to let you know I enjoyed your meek demeanor and hoped you would keep your show like it is. But I also enjoy the links of the episodes and all that, but maybe I didn't. 
I don't know. Everything runs together. Really busy time of year with personal and work and other things. But episodes five and six, you mentioned intentional purchasing, and that is so important. I found the same thing that I've really had to be careful because I've got thousands of PDFs, literally, and haven't probably looked at, you know, 2% of them maybe, or maybe 5% of them. I don't know. I'd have to go back and try to figure that out. But purchasing hardcovers definitely helps. I agree with that. And I've kind of made a shift where the books I really want, I've gotten in hardcover or paperback, but, you know, got physical copies. And here going out, if I really want something, I'm getting a physical copy instead of the PDF. I mean, I'll typically get the PDF along with physical copy, but I am intentionally purchasing physical media, physical products, as opposed to just PDFs that sit there and never get looked at. I'm going to jump here a little bit. In episode six, you mentioned fun trumps coherency. I'm 100% with you there. And with the gold standard thing, the gold standard, the, the money system in D&D as it is, works fine. It's coherent. It makes sense. I think I think that's one of the issues I have. It's not like it's a broken system, and that's why people feel inclined to change it. They feel inclined to change it just because it sounds like people have too much gold. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. So it's not the fact that we're saying the natural laws work totally different because the system actually kind of works fine the way it's laid out. It's just people think there's too much gold in there. But we're talking high adventure games. We're supposed to have a bunch of gold. Is it really sound as cool when you say I brought back this much silver as opposed to this many gold pieces? Or when you tip somebody and say, here's a gold piece compared to, you know, here's a silver piece? I don't know. It's just flavor in the end, but I, I don't, but, but I don't think that's a coherency issue. Now, the latter tables you mentioned are very intriguing. I have not played with them yet, so I'm kind of calling you ahead, putting the card ahead of the horse here, but they are intriguing. I will check them out. But you mentioned Goblin's Henchmen. And one other recommendation I would make to you for getting tables instead of, say, Pirate Borg is a product called When the Sea is Calling. When the Sea is Calling. It's over 50 page of nautical-related tables. It is system neutral, and it includes, with his blessing, Goblin's Henchman stuff, there's a high-sea travel table. Why shouldn't say table? There are high-sea travel hex flowers in there. So when the sea is calling, highly recommended as an alternative, as a more maybe family-friendly or a, a less Mork Borgy version of Pirate Borg. So highly, highly recommended. And I think that's enough wittering for today. So keep up the great work. And I will, oh, and call in episodes. Yeah, you'll find that they quickly can take over your show if you're not careful. I, I found that I have, if I'm going to do a content, ep- I'll do content episodes separate from call in episodes. And that's fine. I love calling episodes. I love hearing back from people. So I'm not complaining about them. But you'll quickly have to decide how you want to handle them, whether you include a couple in each episode or you just do dedicated episodes. But that's something that you'll you'll feel out as you grow as a podcaster. So take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jason. We have another vote for the meek demeanor. I guess it's definitely a, a landslide now. A hundred percent of the votes for meek. <laughs> um yeah, Jason, you've got a knack for uh, just finding the little nuggets uh, of um, of different people's episodes or, or Collins. The the whole intentional purchase thing was just uh, 
offhand comment, but you really picked up on that. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. We actually got a new printer, the um, the Epson Eco Ink printer. I highly recommend that to anybody. The the ink is essentially like little squeeze bottles that you can just inject right into the the printer, more or less. So you don't have to like buy expensive ink cartridges. The printer itself is more expensive than your normal inkjet printer, but we filled it at the beginning of getting the printer and we still have not had to replace any of the ink yet, really. So it's been a great investment. And I, I usually am pretty frugal when it comes to printing things out, but now I can take some of those PDFs and actually print them out and not feel so bad, like I'm, I'm wasting a ton of money on ink or, or anything like that. And it, it prints well on uh, double-sided, so I can print them out and stick them in little sleeves or whatever, put them in a binder. So I can get more physical products now, which is kind of nice to have. I hope you do check out the ladder tables and you enjoy it. Any feedback, um, you know, critique or, you know, praise, whatever you got. I'm interested in hearing that. I did end up buying the When the Sea is Calling recommendation you got there. So I'll have to look more into that, but I've, I've started to. And they have a printer-friendly version, so I'll probably end up printing that out. And, uh, you know, you, your little tag on the end about, you know, how do you handle call-in episodes? I appreciate your op- optimism about how many uh, calls I w- will get regularly. I mean, I guess it doesn't take too many to make a, a lengthy episode, especially when most of your episodes are only 10 minutes. And, <laughs> you know, the Colin episodes can easily double that. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your Colin. Those are all the Collins. Once again, thank you very much. Please check out the description to get links to look up all these various people. and. That's it. Next up, I'm not sure what I am going to talk about. I've been getting into chat GPT a little bit more for work and have done some experiments for gaming or RPG related topics. Let me know if that's something you want to hear. The other idea for the next topic is kind of reporting in on how how much I've embraced randomness in my uh, Mouse Ritter adventures with my girls and how different that has been from my previous adventures with them. That's another idea. I've got other things I want to talk about as well. So let me know what you think. Uh, I might just end up doing whatever I want, but kind of curious to hear what other people think. Thank you and take care.